The call for proposals for Voice Summit 2020 is available now. Having the opportunity to speak at Voice Summit will be highly competitive this year. So if you'd like the chance to be a speaker at this year's event, fill out the form at voicesummit.ai and click on Apply to Speak. Proposals are only open until January 31st, so be sure to get yours in now. That's voicesummit.ai and click on Apply to Speak. Data matters when it comes to voice and marketing. Brandy Sanders, a marketing tech and data science executive, talks about what data really matters most, what type of research you should do before, during, and after creating a voice skill, and why voice data is important to track and understand in order to improve your voice skills. Hi, Inside Voice podcast listeners. This is your co-host, Carrie Roberts. And today, my guest is Brandy Sanders. She is the owner of Planet Brandy, which focuses a lot on marketing and data science in the technology industry. Welcome, Brandy. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Now, Brandy, you have a love for data and how it can help guide a business to make the right decisions. Can you talk about the type of data that really matters when it comes to marketing? Yeah, definitely. I feel like that's such an interesting question because it really does turn into a bit of an onion. So it depends on what business questions we're asking and answering from a marketing perspective. So across the board, obviously, the new KPI is just being able to be accountable for what you're doing spend-wise in marketing. So obviously, return on investment, increasing average order values if you're in an e-com environment. But then obviously, being able from a data perspective, tying all of our marketing back to pipeline generation if you're demand gen or into just really building the business brand awareness if you're talking about a social channel. It's an interesting question because it really does have many branches to one tree, which would obviously be growing the business, revenue, etc. I think for voice marketing though, really the top of the list for preferred metrics, I would say would be like things like number of returning users, engagement, revenue and conversion. And then there are specific KPIs that you really build around user experience. Things like success and error rates, session length, the frequency of those sessions, and then also things like user fallout among others. And, you know, this is a question we get asked all the time on this show. And in general, you know, what is the ROI on voice? And I think it's interesting that actually the data metrics that you're talking about are not necessarily ones that are about bringing in money, but they're something a little bit different. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of stats and KPIs and data around this in general. And um, I always have to have a chuckle when people are like, they're an expert in this one. It's such a brand new field, right? And I mean, it's something that's obviously evolved from other channels, outlets, and activities in marketing, but it is something that is like a burgeoning field. And there's a lot of different ways that you can skin that cat. I mean, primarily, there's a lot of stats and, and data around voice marketing as a whole too. So when you think about it, for example, globally, smart what is it? Smart speakers shipments grew, I think, 200% year over year in Q3 2018. I think that was Amazon leading that for most devices, followed by Google. And then consumers, I think, are recognizing the value obtained from voices like user-friendly interactions. So that particular market is growing. And as it grows, all of those different touch points are going to grow as well. So like, if you look at things like, for example, we'll stay with um, global smart speaker sales. They're on track right now to surpass 30 billion by 2024. That's an incredible number <laughs> for something that's really only been born, you know, within the past decade. Smart speakers, I think, 
are soon going to be among the most top-selling consumer electronic products. I think right now, 55% of households are expected to own smart speaker devices by 2022. And that's a 42% jump from today's household ownership numbers. So as this market grows, as you start to see these double-digit leaps and hockey sticks every year, I think there's going to be a bigger conversation around how we're managing that data, how the channels are being used, and what's the most effective for the different businesses that would be leveraging that. And as you said, yeah, the supply and demand for these smart speakers is definitely growing. Do you have any data showing when it comes to people wanting to engage in voice, how Mm -hmm. they want to be doing it? Definitely. I mean, there is a lot of information. If you look, sometimes there's a, a damage in having too much information to pull from. But I do feel like if we look at kind of like the cream at the top, when we're talking about how people are engaging on those platforms and voice and what they're doing, I really think more than right now, I think it's 20% of voice search queries are triggered by a combination of only 25 keywords. And the way those are done is usually by asking how to X, Y, Z, or providing like simpler answers to popular questions. So this would be like really common things like how do I X, Y, Z? How do I open this wine bottle with a fork? Or how do I build a tricycle? Or, hey, can you tell me how to do X, Y, Z? So I think most of the data that we see when it comes to people wanting to engage in voice and what they're doing. And I think I remember seeing this on Park Associates found that like two thirds of smart speaker households own an Amazon Echo and what one third own a Google Home. So they have the ability to turn around and say, hey, help me multitask. So like you're making dinner, you can turn around and say, hey, how do I dice Julian carrots or something like that? Really, the purpose of what they're doing is it allows them to easily multitask and enables them to do things faster than other devices. So if your hands are full with the activity, you can turn around and say, how to, like, tell me how to. And it it empowers them to like instantly get answers and information. And it kind of can also make the daily routine easier, especially if you're using, I think we talked about the fact that, you know, you can set up those simplified commands when we're thinking, hey, at the the beginning of the day, every morning, I want a flash briefing coming from, I don't know, CNN or Fox News or MSNBC. Like you can set those briefing up. So every day you're starting off with that information and loading it into your daily routine. And I think over time, as those briefings grow, they get more diversified, you start to see some of the more independent channels come up with those things. It'll be something that you see grow. But for the most part right now, really people are using them for how-tos, you know, and just trying to multitask, trying to do more, obviously more than one thing at a time, which many people are guilty of. And it just, it makes things go quicker because you don't have to put the physical task that you're doing down, whether that's making dinner, assembling something, whatever, you don't have to pick the phone up and manually type it in with your thumbs. This is simple voice activation. So it eliminates that step. It's interesting that you say that the how is the most asked when you think of who, what, when, where, why, how, Mm -hmm. why do you think how is the one that is most prevalent compared to the others? I think that the majority of people, and and we're talking about early adopters here, how-tos is just symbolic of like just the generalized questions that you would be popping into Google, right? Or into any other search engine. Like how to do X, Y, Z, like simple, fast, efficient, multitask, get things done quicker than on other devices. I mean, how-to is really the most simplified query if you think about it. That triggered combination of 25 keywords and the way those are done is all about simplicity. So how to assemble, how to make, how to do this, how to do that. And then like popular questions like, you know, what is the weather today? 
what and how are really owning that market. I think now as voice marketing grows, you might see that that combination of those 25 keywords shift over time. But I think for the beginning right now, people are really utilizing it as a tool to simply execute simple tasks a lot quicker. And when somebody is, they're ready to develop a voice skill, you know, we talk a lot about strategy on this show, but data plays a huge role. What type of research do you suggest a company does before they create the voice skill? And then what should they be gathering? And then kind of as the voice skill progresses over years to come, what should they be looking at? Is it all the same things or how do you kind of break that down? Right. So I think it's going to definitely be particular to the vertical that they're operating within from a marketing aspect and then also from size of business and total addressable market. So I think having that picture in your mind and owning that information and making sure that you actually understand organizational buy-in is a huge part of this is going to be paramount. Like that would be step one is like, why would we do this? What would be the purpose? Do we have resources internally? Would we be using a third party? And then as with most things with marketing, what I always suggest is starting with a test pilot. Really, when I say test pilot, what I'm talking about is only investing a small amount of capital if you're, um, and I'm aiming, obviously, we're not talking about like Nike here, which would have an entire department dedicated to this or like a large logo, like an enterprise level solution. But if you're like a smaller independent or mid-market, or you really are an entrepreneurial person who's sitting down and saying, is there a value in this for me? I think you have to sit down and go, who would we be talking to? What questions would we answer? And how do we maintain that as well? Because it's not just like a one-shot deal where you're just doing it once. There is a systematic like way of using voice marketing and voice-activated marketing that would need to be maintained. It would go through seasonal changes. There would need to be kind of a quarterback, if not a few quarterbacks, who would own that process from front to back. Very much in the same way you think about the social media channel or like content or product marketing, right? That wouldn't just be like, we make one white paper And then we go, we did it. (laughs) Like That's it. We've cornered the market. It would need to be a support structure in place. So that is obviously one of the big things you need to think about is organizational buy-in. What is the budget? What's our total addressable market? Who would we be talking to? And what questions would we be answering, right? So if you think about a test pilot, you would really want to understand your consumer's behavior on voice. So you'd want to optimize that content for how people use voice, And also remember that smart speakers really only give one answer at a time. So if you're not first, you're last. And I think that's something to be aware of. That kind of ties back into the TAM analysis in the sense that you'd also need to have like competitive awareness, right? Are our competitors doing this? What are they doing? How big is their reach? What is their engagement? What kind of answers are they putting out there? And then you'd want to respond to consumers with the answers related to your business. So this would include prompts that are both informational, like, um, you know, what is the best brand of XYZ? And then action-based, order more XYZ, right? And that would be vertical dependent. But if you think about it just as purely product-based, it could be like, what is the best brand of socks? And then order more socks. Or what is the best brand of gift wrap bows? If you're thinking about like the holidays, all right, order more gift wrap bows. You'd also want to make sure that digital assistants have accurate real-time information about consumers. So some of this could be powered by AI, machine learning. Machines are fed with like multiple data sources so they can get a complete 360 view of the consumer. And that, again, ties back into the idea of like, what does the budget look like? What are your resources? Is this something that's attainable right now? And if it is launched and it becomes successful, can you continue to kind of maintain that garden and put the work in? 
I think the other two things is you really would want to build a strategy for the entire customer journey. So this means, and hopefully this is something that's already kind of a part of the marketing organization, but I'm talking about from like inquiry to SQL or from discovery stage to action. So you'd want to think about how can your voice app be assisted, like assistive through the entire customer journey. And that would be across both things that are explicit and implicit prompts. So you'd want to be testing and learning, iterating, experimenting, and ensuring that the voice strategy is actually driving real business results. So if you launch that pilot, you have a small amount of budget, you allocate to that, you have the resources, you have the quality and the quantity, you'd pump that out. And if you got results that were positive, hey, this is great, we can keep doing that. If not, you would iterate, test, AB, et cetera, and encourage a culture of what I would consider to be experimentation, because that's really going to be what drives that machine forward. I love that you said too, that voice Mm -hmm. only can give one answer, Mm -hmm. which is very different because when we're doing something on our phone or on our computer, you see a whole page of search results, but you're Mm -hmm. right. Voice is giving you only one out of millions. Yes. And so I know there's a lot your last. Yes. 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 And there's a lot that goes into that. Obviously, do you have uh-huh. any insight on ways to be that answer first? Oh, I mean, there's a lot of different ways to skin that cat. <laughs> yes. I, mean, I would definitely say again, there's a fair amount of research that would go into what you're talking about. I would obviously partner, especially if you're smaller and you're not really sure where to start with that. Or even if you have the type of business or vertical or product or brand that would be apt to succeed in that market? I think that's one of the first questions. I usually would say, you know, tap your agency, tap your consultants, tap the people who are really the thought leadership and the experts in that field to say, hey, is this worth an investment? And then what are the different parameters that I need to look at in order to be first and not last or to even understand what are the requirements for that? Because it really is going to be particular to each vertical brand, product, et cetera. It's not going to be the same for a beauty brand as it would be for a car brand, as it would be for a paper towel brand. Like each of them are going to have a different way of establishing that. That same way that you would with like things like keyword research, if you were doing this through like traditional desktop, ranking, et cetera. Like you'd really want to be mindful about this. So that being said, I think it's really important to mention that this isn't something where you flip it on overnight. I think that's a huge misconception also with traditional marketing and digital marketing and web and SEO. We'll save that for another podcast, but but I think that it's really important to say that there is a discovery process, there's a documentation process, there are different steps, and, and I'll provide this too as a resource if you'd like, that you can take to make that assessment and then begin the investment. So you have that information up front, like what would this look like? What would we be saying? Making sure that what we're doing even has the potentiality to be successful rather than let's jump on the bandwagon, you know, because everyone else is doing voice marketing, we should too. It might not necessarily be the best format for you. And the same way that some brands, when you look at their social media channels, you know, you can have great success on Facebook and then lackluster on Twitter. It's really about where your users and your consumers and your customers are. So knowing that information up front is going to inform everything that you would do in building the possibility for that. Now, have you personally worked with any brands or do you have any brands that you see are doing voice really well? 
Yeah. So I have, I have worked with brands and companies. Sony music is a good example here in New York city that do utilize voice marketing across like different labels and verticals and music and production. And with a few other companies on a consulting basis as well. But I think outside of my work, I really think Starbucks is doing great things with their voice marketing. I'm not sure how familiar the listeners would be with this, but Starbucks actually has an app that lets people order and pay in advance. This was something too, I feel like it's important to kind of mention, this didn't happen overnight, right? It expanded so people can get drinks with voice cues while using Amazon Alexa. So like we talked about earlier, like simplified, like I want XYZ macchiato is king. Um, And that strategy for Starbucks is really working well because it simplifies the process of buying a drink People can order and pay for it while they're in their cars, thereby reducing the need to like wait in line and ensure the baristas like understand their orders. So instead of like, you know, yelling it across a crowded queue at a Starbucks or having to go inside, this is going to be the ultimate convenience. And I think that marketers thinking of adopting a similar strategy should really ensure, like I said, there's got to be a need in the market first. Like Starbucks introduced app-based ordering first. So they didn't just, you know, overnight, hey guys, we're going to do voice marketing. It was really a pilot that came from app-based ordering that developed into voice marketing, right? And it was a pilot that was piloted, tested, vetted, quantified, iterated upon, and then launched out successfully. And then once that option really resonated with the target audience, the brand decided to move into voice ordering. And I think it's also necessary to determine... Like if a potential product is one people usually associate with things like their cars or with voice, know that in advance. And I think like in Starbucks defense, it is common for coffee lovers to drink that beverage while they drive. So Starbucks marketing method really made sense. Like there was that logical understanding of like, where are our customers doing what they do with our products? Like where's their environment? What does their journey look like? What is the majority, if we go and we launch this out, would it be successful? Would there even be never, you know, enough people in that data set in the very beginning to test and pilot to make sure you would have enough data to resonate in an investment further? Now, you are providing so much information today, I and I know how much you love all this data. If people want to learn more about you or more about what we're talking about today, where can they do that online? Absolutely. You can connect with me on LinkedIn. It's Brandy, B-R-A-N-D-E-E, Sanders, S-A-N-D-E-R-S. I love connecting, providing information, kind of being someone that you can go to and like soundboard off of or refer you to a really brilliant pool of people that I've consulted with and, you know, have in my circle, um, you included, obviously. Um, but yeah, I love, I love connecting with people and kind of just like educating them and giving them resources where they can, you know, understand whether or not this type of voice activated marketing is good for them. And one of the questions we've been asking a lot on this show to kind of help market and promote various skills, is there a favorite flash briefing or skill or Mm -hmm. experience that you're using right now and really like? Ah, this is a good question, actually. So personally, I'm a little biased. Cheddar's flash briefing is great. And I am going to give a huge shout out to Brad Smith, who I actually worked with at NASDAQ while I was directing Blackline's digital team through IPO. And he's with Cheddar now. So props to Brad. Um, they're from the very beginning from the launch. And their flash briefing has just become fantastic. Like they do a great job reporting tech and business and like these kind of like snackable bite-sized updates. And plus, you can actually also watch it as a video flash briefing if you have Echo Show. And I think that kind of diversification coming through that new channel, but then also looping them back in if they do want to see like video of it is really wonderful. It's also worth honorable mentions here, like Curiosity Daily, 
really wonderful. That's an award-winning podcast that helps listeners kind of get smarter about the world around us. It really does run the gamut. I'm talking like from outer space to oceanography. It, it kind of ties together how history shapes the world into what we have today. And it is literally one of the most top-rated flash briefings. And I really feel it's a little bit longer. I think it's about 10 minutes running time. But it it's a great way to start the day. Like if you're getting up in the morning, you're about to hit the grind, you're you know, throwing your coffee back, you've done your cheddar, so you've gotten the adult news. Curiosity Daily just kind of like lets your mind open up in a kind of like a PBS Nova way and, you know, have something new that you're learning every day. And I would also have to throw in one other more, um, I guess you could call back to business, uh, business insiders, things and tech flash briefing is a great addition, especially if you work in technology, if you're working in the digital space and the dev space, data science, anything like that. Um, and just like a few minutes, you really get caught up to date on today's like top tech headlines. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Brandy, for again, bringing great insight and data for us today on voice and marketing in general. And uh, I look forward to hearing more in the future. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Inside Voice podcast. We greatly appreciate you being a part of our community. And if you enjoyed this episode or you like the podcast, we would love it if you would subscribe, follow, like, share, leave a review of the show. If you have any questions, comments, feedback, people you want to see on the show, things you want to learn, feel free to send us an email at kerry at modev.com. That's K-E-R-I at modev.com. And be sure to check us out online at voicesummit.ai. Thank you. And we look forward to chatting with you next week.